What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dynasty Rankings Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter at an outrage Jew. And of course, with me is Alexander McKenzie. You can find him on Twitter at Jacked Up on Mountain Dew. All right, Alexander, we're through three weeks of NFL football. It was an absolute bonanza uh, at the running back position, Miami specifically. Uh, we saw Keenan Allen go off. We saw you know a, a bunch of other receivers have some big days. Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase had a great game. Um, but today, I want to get into a couple of the quarterbacks that have really moved in the rankings and I think are starting to gain a lot of popularity and conversational subject matter amongst sort of the dynasty space because it's always really important. We want to catch these guys before they ascend to the top. And I think we've got a couple names here that feel like they're right in that sweet spot. And then we've got a couple wide receivers that we teased last week in Drake London in Traylon Burks. This is called... Uh, foreshadowing for those of you not in the biz, we're going to get to them at the end and uh, give you our take on whether you should be concerned or not about them. Currently, I will say one of the two less concerning. The other one, uh, we got a three alarm fire going on. So, all right, Alexander, uh, glad to be back. Not in Arizona. Camera quality better. Microphone quality better. Uh, this experience has to be better right now, right? Oh, I just missed the, I missed the hotel art really is it added a whole different ambiance, you know? Oh. So I, maybe you need to go look that up and maybe add some decor or something. I should have, <laughs> I should have screencasted to my TV, just go. like yeah. some yeah. hotel artwork. No, that's good. <laughs> uh, speaking of hotel artwork, Justin Fields, uh, maybe does that work? If, that works at, at that this works. point, the equivalent yeah. of the hotel artwork from the last episode I had done a video. I had done a YouTube short about five months ago, and it was a conspiracy theory YouTube short. I love conspiracy theories, by the way. Could talk about them all day. We should do another show. I could go on all day about conspiracy theories. But I had a theory that Chicago and, and reading the tea leaves and them being not so happy about the production from Fields last year, what would the what would the potential be that with the assets that they're currently holding, if they see another poor season out of Justin Fields in 2023, that they could potentially move on from him? And everybody and their grandmother with a YouTube account, and I know some grandmothers with YouTube accounts, responded to me and told me, that is impossible. That will not happen. This year, the jump is coming. The jump is not coming, it appears, Alexander. Where are we at on Justin Fields? And let's talk a little bit about where he's valued currently in Dynasty. So I think you referenced it right before the show. He's what going QB 16 now uh, on keep trade cut. Uh, he's third, third, third to last in, in passer rating, second to last in completion percentage over expectation. Uh, it's not looking good. I, you know, I, I think really... There was a lot. There was a lot of talent going in. He came in with a fantastic, um, high percentile college QBR. You know, he's an elite athlete, as everyone knows. He had crazy weapons uh, at Ohio State. He was super successful. Um, I just I could, can't tell if it's just he never had the ability, and he was uplifted maybe by the wide receivers. You know, there's he's still got the rest of the season to kind of see, but so far in three games, it looks like that team is completely lost and they have no idea really kind of what they're doing, especially on the offensive side of the ball, because uh, they invested a lot in there. You know, they spent they spent their their top ten pick on uh, 
on Darnell Wright. You know, they they traded their first overall pick for a first and DJ Moore, who seems non-existent at this point. And he, he did he did get a late touchdown, but um, yeah, I, it's 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 extremely concerning. Uh, he's played how many games, and he has zero three hundred passing. Twenty nine, twenty eight. Yeah, thirty games. No. 30 games. He's played 30 games and he has he doesn't have one 300-yard passing game, especially now that he has DJ Moore and Stroud did that in his second game. Right. Um it's yeah, it, it's it just seems like um he doesn't know what to do. I, and there's there's evidence you can see all over Twitter. I think this is like, you know, one of the hottest topics right now is just how the hype machine on 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 fields and then really kind of how poor he has looked this first, you know, three games of the season. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's not good. It's not good, Nate. And he, he's got, you know, he's, they went out and got weapons for him and stuff. And you can blame the coaching staff and stuff like that, but there's reads out there where he shouldn't be making reads and he's not, he's not, he doesn't feel confident in making that read. So, uh, and there's not a lot of the whole cell was the design runs too. Yes, not very well used, not used heavily in the design run game. I think they kind of leaned away from what some of his strengths and trying to turn him into a more of a you know complete passer. And that's what we hoped, right? And you've seen players like Jalen Hurts ascend from you know from being used heavily as a rusher to a you know a really really efficient passer. Um, I I. I at this point, it's just kind of we got to see if there's any progress. But you know, I think your conspiracy theory might actually be something that 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 kind of holds some weight here. I mean, they're zero three. You know, Caleb Williams, Drake May are going to be here in the top five, and if they continue like this, and that does not look good based off of the the teams, just the offense and defensive side of the ball, the whole team as a whole does not look great. I can't can't see them. I can see them barely winning any of these games that they have for the rest of the schedule. So didn't, didn't Josh Rosen get dealt before his rookie contract was up? I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not saying you should quit on fields, but everything about this situation and Justin Fields has to be the most mentally strong quarterback of all time to know that everybody's (sighs) saying this is your fault, knowing that the play design does suck, knowing that the O-line is moderated best, knowing that, Yes, they got you, DJ Moore, but they didn't go out and hang you and fucking screw you over getting Vellis Jones, who was nothing. That was the worst. That was the worst attempt at adding any supporting cast on the outside. But the real thing, the real thing I want to remind people of with Justin Fields, the Justin Fields experience has been like stepping out of an ice bath. Okay, I don't know if you've ever been in an ice bath, but let me tell you what it's like. Imagine it's 150 degrees outside and you step out of an ice bath. You've been in it for 35, 40 seconds. You get out of it and you step outside. Your body's so cold that you can barely feel the temperature of the outside, right? This is technically called what? Thermal inertia. You got vasoconstriction going on on the surface of your veins, right? They're clotting. Here's the thing though. After a while, eventually... You can start to feel that sunlight. You can start to feel that heat. For the longest time, people were okay with Justin Fields not being a good passer because he was a great runner. Now we've eliminated the rushing, and the team's like, hey, Justin, we need you to be able to throw the fucking ball. And he can't throw the ball. So now you're really starting to feel that sunlight and realizing, oh, shit, the honeymoon's over. What do I do now? Well, in this case, we're watching Justin Fields start to fall. He's he's officially fallen 
to QB 16. He's the only guy I've ever seen that if I sort by one year, he has a cliff on both sides. He's been the QB 21 and the QB 16 across a one-year span. On top of that, look at his advanced metrics. His on-target throw rate currently 52.3% is down nearly 20% from what it was last year. He's the QB 20. His intended air yards per attempt are at a career low of 6.2, down from 9.1. That's QB 29. EPA per drop back is pushing towards QB 30. His turnover-worthy play rate is at a career high. His A dot of 7.8 is at a career low and nearly two behind what he was last year. That puts him at QB 25. He has 26 yards on 12 design runs this year, which, by the way, was what made it so you didn't feel that heat. And he has 45 pressure dropbacks over three weeks, which is QB3. And this will lead us into our next quarterback. But the biggest issue is when we look at the pressure rates, isn't CJ Stroud playing behind a really porous offensive line as well? It's very similar. I mean, they both have, like, some weapons, but the offensive line is pretty bad. Um, And... I think the defense might be slightly better, so he's more, you know, positive situations, at least uh, more attempts to to be able to throw and stuff like that. But I think, yeah, I think CJ Stroud, after we've seen what we've seen for three games, he's already shown that he's a way better passer than than Fields. And again, go back to Fields just for a second. I think I think they just don't, they're not utilizing his full skill set. I think his his rushing is such a intricate part of his ability that to take that away, I just don't think you get to see the same player and it doesn't scare teams if they're, if you're not going to run him and he's not going to run and he's just going to try to make, you know, pocket passing uh, decisions. So, but Stroud, yeah, Stroud is just incredible. He's already 12th in passer rating. Um, He's done the most with the least. He's one of those guys that, you know, kind of really, want to highlight that he's just a super efficient player. And in the second game or third game, um, 384 yards passing with, you know, with, with, you know, a subpar offensive, you know, tank Dell is a pretty good, pretty good wide receiver. Nico Collins is pretty good. Um, but they're not DJ Moore, right? They're not DJ Moore talented level players, you know, perennial, not perennial, but consistent, consistently getting thousand yard seasons with, you know, poor quarterback play and stuff like that. I, I just think the offensive weapons fields may have a little bit of an uptick and, but Stroud seems to be doing better with, with that. And they really have no run game um, with that Houston Texan offensive line. Man, I, I couldn't be, you know, going into the season, Obviously, you and I had talked. I really, I really did love Bryce Young. And I'm certainly not out on Bryce Young, but what cannot be ignored at this point is how quickly CJ Stroud has risen above the mediocrity that is around him. Okay. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have, again, I like, I like uh, Damian Pierce. I like him enough. He doesn't have an elite runner out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have an elite receiver. I mean, again, everybody can say that Nico Collins looks great. Sometimes these guys are a product of the upgrade in quarterback play. Sometimes the quarterback is what unlocks the receiver. Tom Brady did it with a billion fucking receivers. And so this this can happen. Great quarterbacks. Look at Patrick Mahomes. Not that he's making any one receiver great, but every guy is relevant. And even to the point that we're seeing Tank Dell, you know, play the way that he is and, you know, all this, it's it's great. But C.J. Stroud, rightfully so, currently the QB 10. And 
I wrote an article on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash I'm outraged. And I wrote it about CJ Stroud. And part of the conversational topic that I brought up is how much longer before we start asking the question, CJ Stroud or Trevor Lawrence. And I feel like in all sincerity, and I know we're going to, we're going to get to Lawrence. So I don't want to do too much of this, but I really do think that within this season over the next, over the next few weeks, three, four, five weeks, it really could become a topic of conversation. But one thing I want to bring up about CJ Stroud, some of the really good that we've seen from him uh, so far this year. So, Yards per attempt, QB7 in the league at 7.5. Turnover-worthy play rate, uh, QB14, so middle of the road. Again, average depth of target, 8.3, QB13. Again, that's that's pretty impressive for a guy who's three games into his NFL career that has one of the worst offensive lines. What's really interesting, though, is when you look at his intermediate depth of passing, his intermediate target rate is 27.3% of all pass attempts. That's QB2. His intermediate pass yards, not so surprisingly, 324. The A dot though ranks number one amongst all quarterbacks that are in the top 10 of the intermediate passing rate. Here's what I found though. When we rotate to the deep targets for CJ Stroud, and I can pull this up on the screen too. Currently his deep target rate is 7.4%, which is the QB 30. His average depth of target on deep targets, 27.7 is the QB 22. But I had a theory on this. If you look at this team, it's not really loaded with speed. Okay, they're not they're not really loaded with speed. Even Tank Dell is quick, but he's not like he's not Devon A. Chain, he's not Tyree Kill, he's not one of these guys. In week one, Tank Dell saw zero deep targets, but ran a 48.1% snap share. In week two, Tank Dell saw one deep target, ran a 78.6% snap share. Then in week three, Tank Dell, three deep targets. Caught two for 114 and a touchdown on a 60.7% snap share. To me, this does feel like a team that's starting to find its identity, find its rhythm. Uh, it, it's starting to figure out what their quarterback does well. And this role, to me, is something that is going to continue to expand. So for those people that are wondering why isn't C.J. Stroud throwing it downfield, well, number one, he has 906 yards in three games. So not super worried about not throwing it downfield. But on top of that, what we love to see about Stroud is over the first two games, Houston had a 95% trail rate in those games. He averaged 45 pass attempts per game. But even in the game in week three, when they trailed not at all, 30 pass attempts, but his big playability and the efficiency propelled him to 20 fantasy points. So you're still getting 20 out of him, even in the game when he's throwing 15 less pass attempts. So I really like CJ Stroud. I like this offense, the way that it's developing. Again, as much as I like Nico Collins and I wrote him up in the article as a guy that I would be willing to acquire, this is a team that's sitting in a position where, again, we talk about Brandon Ayuk. You add a Brandon Ayuk. You add a somebody to this offense to give them an ascension of like a really strong wide receiver one, and, and it could be lights out. Um, so I like C.J. Stroud for all those reasons, and I'm assuming you know you enjoyed Stroud. You like Stroud coming in. I think for you, is probably your quarterback one in this class. So to yep. see him doing this right now, obviously has got to be satisfying. Well, yeah, because I think he's leaning into his strengths again. Like, I think, you know, the athleticism, if you compare him to the, like Fields, Fields had a great QBR, he had great receivers, and that was the same narrative with Stroud. He had great receivers, you know, great QB, QBR, crazy amount of yards, uh, especially his, his, like, his stats as a young player, as like a freshman, uh, what in in order to, in 2021 threw for 4,400 yards and four 44 touchdowns to six interceptions, 
followed it up with 3,600 yards, four, 41 touchdowns, and six interceptions. Um, again, yeah, maybe he's somewhat of a product with, with all those elite receivers, but now we see that he's one of these crazy uh, – he's crazy accurate quarterbacks, and he leans into his strengths, right, as opposed to with – you know, Fields is like it, – it, his strength was he was – his athleticism would open up the the field and allow these receivers to be open. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think Stroud is a fantastic player and I, I think he's just showcasing where he is, you know, his skill set is really at. I mean, look, Stroud is averaging 40.3 pass attempts per game. Bryce Young's at 35.5. I mean, that's, that's, not bad. Again, this is a team mm-hmm. that's battling in these games. He missed a game recently. Um, but yeah, there's just so much to like about C.J. Stroud. So I look at it like, okay, here are the quarterbacks that are within range. And, and in part of this article, what I was writing up, if I've got Deshaun Watson, if I've got Dak Prescott, if I've got Jordan Love, any number of those guys, my interest is moving to a guy like C.J. Stroud. Like, I would much rather, and I like Dak in all the weapons, but I would much rather make my way to him. Now, are you going to be able to get there from Deshaun? Are you going to be able to get there from Dak? You may have to add a first. You may have to add a high second. You may have to add players. But at the end of the day, what we're already seeing from C.J. Stroud, if this persists through the year and he's in the you know he's in the rookie of the year conversation and he throws thirty two touchdowns and he throws you know nine interceptions for whatever for a thirty nine hundred yard season, forty one hundred yard season, he's gonna be he people are gonna start putting him up here above Lawrence possibly. He's going to be above Tua potentially if Tua keeps us up. I don't know if that's possible, but <laughs> yeah. he's, well, who knows what happens with Justin Herbert. If Justin Herbert doesn't get right, maybe they're sort of close to one another. Like, I think anything is possible um, with these two players. And again, I know Her- Burrow's got weapons, so I think that's always going to be the conversational argument on his side. Just wish he would get the volume. But I think Stroud can climb. So right now, I believe Stroud is still at a low point for his value, um, even though we're seeing him already in the top 10. And the sky's kind of the limit because how many players in a situation this bad are doing this well? Um, I think the answer is very, very, very few. So, anyways, very positive uh, subject matter on C.J. Stroud. So, good call to you uh, for having him early in the race. Um, I mentioned him in the last segment there. I kind of want to move on to Trevor Lawrence because Trevor Lawrence is a very interesting story. Um, He's a guy that, what are we, we're a year three now. Um, yep. Year one, the volume was there. We love to see that. Year two, uh, you know, I think everybody had the this idea that he was just going to explode in year one. That he was going to have this monster year one, generational player, uh, you know, goes ultra high in the draft, number one overall. Um, and then nothing really manifested itself in year one. But again, an awful team, by the way. A, t- a terrible team. Terrible, terrible team. Terrible coach. Yes, I the mean, whole. just not the setup was just not good, and and then he gets Doug Peterson, and it drastically changes. Yeah, so. you just throw throw it out, and then we see him in yeah. year two, right? And then that's kind of where everybody got their hope back. That was the big jump for him moving into the nearly eighteen fantasy points per game, and that was when everybody really fell back in love with Trevor Lawrence, and they're like, okay, all right, it was just year one was just throw <laughs> that out, right? But here we are in year three. Uh, week one for Trevor Lawrence was really strong. I think it was 18 fantasy points per game. Then from there, we've had 9.2 and 15.4. Uh, Casey is probably going to give quarterbacks trouble all year long, potentially. Uh, Houston come out. That was a, a surprising game between those two. So Trevor Lawrence right now, keep trade cut, still QB8, deservedly so at 24 years old. 
what is the pulse on Trevor Lawrence for you? And are you concerned or should we just sort of take a step back and go, guys, this is a young quarterback, elite profile. It gets better. It's a young quarterback and elite profile. He's, yeah. he's 20, he's going to be 24 years old. He's not even 24 yet. And he, we already seen him play very well last year. I think if, if this is, if he was still continuing what he had done his rookie year and we're still seeing a lot of the thing that we didn't see really any sort of jump. I just think this is a product of one playing a good, a good defense in Kansas city. Uh, and then Houston, there was a little shaky, but I will reference that um, his wide receivers, their catch rate, their catch rate right now is 61% as a team uh, league average right now is 66. So it, it could be one of those situations where, yeah, drop percentage is second in drop percentage. So I think, I think they figure it out. They get guys that the, the guys will figure out how to how to get this stuff in. I know Calvin Ridley had an insane week one. I think he comes back. He's also he's been away from football for a while. So they get these guys get back to it, and I think we see a little bit more of the Calvin Ridley we have we saw in week one, and 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 this offense starts humming. Um, but yeah, I think. I think this is just recency bias. It's just, he's had two bad games. Um, if we start to see this at the end of the season, then we can say, okay, maybe we have a different conversation that he's not the you know generational talent that he was deemed to be coming out. But he he was did so well, um, did so well in uh, that last year that I think it's hard for me to go and say I need to move off of him and move him down rankings and stuff like that. I just think it's recency bias. I mean, I just pulled up his best comparable on player profiler, which is Peyton Manning. And by the fantasy points, Peyton Manning, his first year, 19.2, blew the doors off, but then didn't break 18 fantasy points for four seasons after that. So this is such a good description of like the difference between letting time go by and, and the maturity of a player towards you know the middle end of their career. Um, obviously, Trevor Lawrence is, is a stud, but the one thing that didn't really come up in that and something that I wanted to allude to. So you definitely mentioned he's, he's ultra young at 24 years old. We look at him over his first two years in the league and I can pull this up right here. Um, he's ranked top seven or better in pass attempts with an average of 34.9 pass attempts per game, which is great. You want that volume. What's really sneaky in the profile is that in his first two seasons, he's also ranked top 10 in rush attempts, 73 rush attempts the first year, 62 the second. That's a great floor to add to a guy that's already top seven in pass attempts. Um, and then, you know, you you look at him in year two, the breakout, not so surprisingly, came on the backbone of a court, of a coaching change, came on the mm -hmm. backbone of Evan Ingram and, and Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, and Travis Etienne, and now Calvin Ridley. He has the weapons. He has everything he needs around him right now. But we look at him this year, and despite averaging 14.5 uh, fantasy points per game, his pass attempts are already at a career high of 37.7 per game. That's great. He's on pace for 640 pass attempts, for fuck's sake. What do you guys want from him? His per PFF, and I'll bring it up because I was just looking at it over here, passing grades. I don't know why Mike White's in there. i got to filter that out. He's got the second highest passing grade per PFF at an 85.9, which has got to make people happy because as you alluded to, lots of drops so far, 11% drop rate, nine drops on the season by his receivers. Um, and then when, when you look at it too, Trevor Lawrence as a quarterback has a 3.2% quarterback pressure rate when uh, when he is the when he is the causation of it. So Trevor Lawrence is doing the least of any quarterback in the league 
of, of his own fault to cause quarterback pressures on himself. So he's doing everything that he needs to do. Um, on top of that, one other thing that I really like to see this year, uh, when you look at game script for Jacksonville, when they're in a positive game script situation, they are still passing at a rate of 33.6 pass attempts per game. Uh, they've been in this position about 15.3% of the time so far. Neutral game script, so when they're in a tie ball game, uh, t- that's 28.7% of the time. He's averaging 37.5 pass attempts. And when they're trailing, which they've done the most at 56%, he's throwing it 42.8 times per game. He's getting Atlanta next. He's got the weapons. He's got the rushing upside. He's got offensive line protection. I don't think that there's a lot to be concerned about for people. Um, I, I think we should still be very high on Trevor Lawrence. But with that being said, it wouldn't surprise me at all for people to start moving. Again, I think Tua is going to go above him here soon. Not going to be shocking. I think he's going to be neck and neck with C.J. Stroud um, very soon. Anthony Richardson is up there, obviously, for what he did in, in week one and the mobility and stuff. But I think Trevor Lawrence could lose a smidge of value. But we're really reaching a point now, if you look at these rankings, where aside from Stroud at this point, and, and Trevor Lawrence, I'm giving him some benefit of the doubt. And Anthony Richardson, pull him out for a second. You know, if you take Patrick Mahomes kind of off the top, there's a cluster of guys in here that all feel like they could be great at any given moment. The top is very heavy, but quarterbacks feel really strong again at the top. And I, I love that about the top 10. Um, so I'm not I'm not worried about Trevor Lawrence. I just want to add a little context to that. The volume's there, so we got to just relax. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, again, I think referencing... He's, you know, he's still grading out really well. He's, yeah, yeah. I, he's going to have an insane amount of pass attempts. I think it's, you know, the, the inclusion of Ridley and and some drops. I think the these guys will will come in sync here in the next few games, and then all of a sudden we see a different Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, so I I want to talk about one more quarterback, and I think everybody is suddenly higher than ever on this guy. And mm-hmm. that is, of course, Tua Tungavailoa, uh, currently the QB6 in fantasy points per game, averaging 23.3 fantasy points per game so far on the year. And if we look at his weekly performances, 28.1 in week two, 13.3. And then last week, uh, 28.4, despite the fact that the Dolphins hung 70 on Denver and Sean Payton's like, what the fuck did I sign up for? Um so, with that being said, uh, what are your thoughts on on Tua? Because as I just alluded to in that last segment, Tua is currently the QB nine. But if mm-hmm. this keeps up, I mean, in all sincerity, if this keeps up, what is stopping him from from basically rising all the way up to a guy like Joe Burrow? Like, what is the difference if Tua is not hurt, if he is healthy? Because again, I think the fear is the concussions and the injury history in the context of the offense that we're witnessing. What is the upside of Joe Burrow that's greater than that of Tua? I, I think they're neck and neck. I, I think he easily can jump, you know, all these guys uh, between him and him and uh, Burrow, and then it's a conversation between him and Burrow. I mean, Burrow's got the calf injury, so people will lean into it. now he has an injury and he's not as efficient this year. And so, you know, the, especially keep trade cut where people are voting every single day. If this this keeps up throughout the season, you could definitely see a situation where if if Tua keeps it up. Joe Bur- he's sneaking up on Joe Burrow. You could see where people may have him ranked at, at, at QB five there and, and leapfrog Joe Burrow. If he's continues to have issues with this injury. Um, but yeah, he's, 
number one in like every metric that is important to being a quarterback. So I think the risk really is the injury. But again, like I, I think that the way he's performing and this way this offense looks so far, um, I think that they can, if they can sustain it, it's he's a worthwhile bet, especially if you want to, even if you want to trade for him and stuff like that. I think it's it's worth the risk because he's. I mean, it shows that it's just so talented. It's it's a combination of elite weapons, um, and an elite coaching staff, and he's also just a damn good quarterback, right? And so, you know, I think we were always kind of thinking that it's like partially, you know, Waddle and. And, and Hill and stuff like that. But also you got these crazy weapons in these running backs that are just speed monsters that they can get into space. So, I mean, that's just, honestly, it's like he, sometimes he doesn't really have to be crazy, you know, super accurate. He already is, but he can just throw it to one of these guys out in open space and they can take it to the house at any point in time and any given down in distance, they can throw it. He could throw a touchdown. It could be behind the line of scrimmage. It can be a 50 yard bomb. Um, it, it's, it's kind of a, a perfect situation. It's, it's, that's all these talented players. And again, you know, the long story short. Yeah. I think it's, he's going to, if he continues this success, he's going to be in this conversation between Joe Burrow and him. Cause yeah, I, I mean, these other guys like Lamar, is just not, they, it, Lamar is just not, they're not using his skill set. They just want him to pass. I think at the end of the day, if, if you're a guy that can, that can throw it like Tua can throw it. And again, Every we always want to see Burrow doing what Miami is already doing. We were hoping Burrow was going to send it downfield more frequently to Jamar Chase, get T. Higgins involved. This is a this is a video game lineup. The way that this thing is set up, and the problem with Tua and the problem with his historical value. And I had this pulled up on the chart. Like again, in in twenty twenty one, Tua was the QB twenty two. And then over here, he was like the QB 19 in 2022. And then, you know, a little rise to nine. And then he dipped back down to like 15 in the preseason. And here he is back up at nine. Like, what a roller coaster ride for his value. But the problem is, yeah, if you're going to make the argument between him and Burrow, if I say nobody gets hurt, who do you take? I don't know how you don't take Tua in this situation because Tua's look great. And part of it is you're concerned about the injury history. The other part of it is Brian Flores was fucking Tua for a long time. I don't mean physically because I think Tua could defend himself. But <laughs> what I'm saying is he averaged 14.4 fantasy points per game on average with Flores. But Tua has always been one of the league's most accurate deep ball passers in 2021. Yes. He was the QB six in 2022. He was the QB four in 2023 yet to be determined. Uh, but I'm pretty sure we're going to find out very quickly that yet again, he's one of the tops in the league. But what's really interesting is Mike McDaniel actually took Tua to the next level because since joining McDaniel, Tua went from the QB 33 in deep targets at a rate of 7.5% in 2021 to the QB 12 last year at 13.8. And then the QB eight this year at 13.9%. He already has 14 deep targets. And think about this in 2021 under Flores and 2022 under McDaniel, the first year he played 13 games in each season under Flores. He had 548 deep passing yards, QB 23 last year. First year under McDaniel, 990 deep passing yards and the QB4. So what Tua might lack as a rusher, he makes up for by launching the ball way the fuck downfield to guys that can break off huge plays. And bear in mind, 
Denver fans, if you're listening, you are so lucky Jalen Waddle wasn't in that game because he would have ripped you for 150 also. So I guess it comes down to the fact that Tyreek Hill looks amazing. He signed until the end of 2026. If Tyreek Hill doesn't play beyond that point, I feel very confident saying Jalen Waddle can step in and play a role that's incredibly valuable in his own right. Tua was already the QB9 in fantasy points per game last year at 18.4, and he's just barely 25 and a half years old. So I don't understand how you can make the argument that Joe Burrow should be ahead of, I guess, if you want to say it's the concussion thing, then go ahead. But Tua is just so damn good in this offense. You just got to see Devon A-Chain in it, which is another topic that I'd love to get into with you. Oh, yeah. um, I just, I, I don't see how his value doesn't ascend much, much further. And I'm quite certain if we give it another week or two and and we see another great performance or two, uh, and, and Joe Burrow's got the nagging injury, as you mentioned, and he's maybe getting a little bit throttled, I don't see how this gap doesn't close very quickly. Absolutely. Again, yeah, the risk is just the concussion. And and not to downplay it, he's had quite a few yeah concussions, right? Sure. And, and it was very scary, and it was question of whether or not he could even play again that's probably attributes to that dip after he was fantastic early on last year um but again i think his talent is is worth the risk and if you can get him if someone's worried about that and 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 that stuff like it's something to worry about but he he has solidified himself with mcdaniel as an elite passer in this league. And it's just, it's crazy. You know, it, it, you, the, the roller coaster ride that he's gone through. Uh, but yeah, I think if Joe Burrow continues to have these issues with his calf um, and, and, and the efficiency kind of dips quite a bit, we know he's an elite passer as well, but I think people will start having a conversation just because, I mean, man, look at those weapons now that they have in Miami. I know, you know, you can make an argument that those weapons are just as good, if not as good as what, you know, everyone argues is the Bengals have in, in Higgins and Boyd it's and probably Chase, better. you know, it's, it's probably, probably better because okay. one of these guys can take it to the house at any point in time. Right. Dude. And, and it's, it's crazy. It's a crazy, you know, dichotomy. And this, this is the, this class, man, what, when year they both get, they both got drafted in the same class, right? Uh, 2020, this 2020 QB class, man. I wish I had, I did a video when I was in Texas a few years ago, two years, year ago. And I did a video and I, I, I basically said, Jamar Chase is Tyreek Hill. Like if you want to know what he is from a performance standpoint, the ups and downs games that you would get from Tyreek Hill when he was in Kansas city, he'd do 33, then he would do 11, then he would do 27, then he would do six. And that's very much what you're getting from Jamar Chase. So, like, one for one, they're the same player to me. Like, they, they I think Hill has proven to be more consistent uh, of late. But I think the upside of both of them is the same. And if it's between Jalen Waddle and T. Higgins, I'm going to go ahead and take Waddle on, like, any given week just because of, again, in the context of the offense that he's in, he's perfect. And so, McDaniel stepped into an offense with so much speed. And with Tua being involved, like I don't even know like how it could how it could evolve from here. At now, now defenses are gonna come in every week and go, fuck. I don't want somebody to take the top off, but every guy in the offense can do it, which is why I want to ask you a question. Uh Devon A chain went absolutely ham Insane. in this last game. I mean, went yeah. absolutely went off. 51.3 fantasy points per game pulled up on the screen right here. Um, 18 carries, four targets. Four receptions, 233 total yards. 
But here is the kick in the fucking balls, Alexander. Currently, the the running back 11 on keep trade cut. Let's see what the graph looks like. Let's do a one-month graph. So, wow. oh, no, no, it's better here. <laughs> so, Jeez. he basically went from the RB28, RB36 to the RB11 in literally a day. It's insane. In one it's day. Insane. It's insane. One game. In one game. Go ahead. I, I I mean, okay. So I, again, I think he, he is the fantastic athlete, right? So no question. And it's showcased here. It's not just like he did it at the combine and wow, he's four, three speed. It's like, no, he's, he's definitely got the speed and it's showcased in the game. And, you know, you've got McDaniel who can put him into space and stuff like that. But the biggest worry, and it's always been the biggest worry with AJ is just the size. And, my, my question is, is are we going to get, you know, like, you know, and I player profiler puts out good stuff. Um, comparing him to Chris Johnson, I feel like is unfair because H is a fantastic athlete and it's obviously shown that he can play and he can ball, but is he going to get 18 carries a game? Is he going to get the 2009, you know, Chris Johnson, 358 rush attempts, right? Is he built for that? How many backs have gone between Chris Johnson and Devin A. Chain. And how many of them with, you know, maybe there you can make the case that maybe not that there wasn't that many that had this elite speed. Sure, maybe, but there's a lot of them within this archetype. And how many of them were going to get, you know, this many carries? I mean, he was at least 250 carries all the way from 2008 to 2013. And that's my concern. There's so many backs. There's backs like, I, you know, and they weren't, they didn't have the speed, right? But there's guys like Deion Lewis, Philip Lindsay, Tariq Cohen, who were serviceable and had really good years, right? But then the size got to them. And so I question whether or not, number one, with someone like McDaniel, who likes to scheme players coming from that, that San Francisco offense, everyone references that all the time. Are they not just going to use, Jeff Wilson when he comes back too, or they're not going to use Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert is 31, but what's to say they were already looking at Jonathan Taylor. They knew, they knew a chain had this in his skill set. They drafted him. They've seen him in practice, but they still were interested in, in, in Jonathan Taylor. My concern is, is long-term what he is worth. And to me, just based off of like the profile. And again, he's in a, he's he in space. He's incredible. I just don't see a scenario where, and I can I can admit to be wrong if if they do that he gets 18 carries a game, um, and does not and is able to sustain all those hits and that's my worry is just 188 pounds is is the concern. I think the issue I think the issue for people is this was confirmation of what they had always hoped they would see right. This is number one. Anybody listening, I will I will take whatever bet you want to place that this will be the biggest game that Devon A. Chain ever has in his career for fantasy production. I'm, I'm willing to take that bet. That game was so outside of the realm of anything that you normally see. Again, the amount of touchdowns, the amount of yards, the fantasy, a 51-point fantasy game is <laughs> off the charts, guys. Most defenses are not going to give up this kind of yardage. The problem with Miami and the reason that I love Tua is that if you sell out to stop the run— you get fucked by the pass. 
if you stop to if you try to sell out to stop the pass, you're going to get beat up by the run. So they're in a sweet spot. It's a great offense, and he, mm-hmm. and I think he's going to be a great player. The problem is, I tend to agree. I think that one of the issues is just overall size and durability over time. But I'm not going to make the argument that he's going to get injured. It's not. This is what this is what's really interesting about the Devon A. Chain case. It's not necessarily our job to prove to you why he's not going to get 25.5 touches per game like Chris Johnson did at his peak. You can't go find anybody short of Chris Johnson. If I go, hey, you can have anybody on the list, but you can't have Chris Johnson. Show me a guy of this size that got the volume to get to the place that you think he can get to and had a full career, and I'll wait. You won't find him. So it's crazy to me when people are willing to go to these extreme levels of mental gymnastics to go, yes, this equals this. And and now it definitely equals this because I just saw him have a big game. I don't even know if Chris Johnson had a game like that. I, I don't know. I have to go back and look. That's like one of the most monster performances I've ever seen in my life. With that being said, though, yes, he played in the SEC. Yes, he was dominant after contact. He was great before contact in this game. Even in this game, I think he had... I think he had a, huh? I'd have to look up this number, but his yards created in this game, 112 yards created after contact in this game alone. So 6.22 yards created per attempt. Obviously an outstanding game um, from a, from a yardage standpoint, from a tackle breaking standpoint. Um, I just have so many questions about what his upside is. With that being said, and we talked about this, I'm not totally sure that I wouldn't be willing to move A-Chain to make my way to Jonathan Taylor if that existed. This is one of those examples. Again, this is not to take anything away from A-Chain, but if we're going to bet on two players, and again, Taylor's already had his injuries, and I'm sure the people listening are like, oh, why would you do that? Taylor's been hurt. Uh, Let's go down the list then, and you tell me which guys have been hurt or haven't. Bijan hasn't played enough games to get hurt. McCaffrey, yes. Jameer Gibbs hasn't done enough. Uh, Brees, ACL. Walker, injuries. Pollard hasn't had the volume yet to get hurt. ETN, fuck yes, injured. Saquon, yes. Taylor, yes. Eckler, currently. Devon H.A., not enough touches. Josh Jacobs, a fucking bowling ball, hasn't gotten hurt. Ramondre, he's dealt with some stuff. Javante, missed the whole season. DeAndre Swift was throttled for his whole career. I mean, go down the list. It's like every guy gets hurt. So to say to yourself that because he hasn't been yet, he won't be. It's crazy. He's played in two games. Yeah. He's got a whole yep. career ahead of him. So, again, career. I don't think it's crazy. Look at this. Jonathan Taylor on Keep Trey Cut. And this may, again, these are like exit polls. You walk out of the poll, you're like, who'd you vote for? I'm like, I don't know. Who do you hate? They're like, that guy. I go, okay, well, I voted for the other guy then. It's like, yeah, you're bullshitting people. So, I don't know if it's gun to your head if you're picking these players. But Jonathan Taylor and Devon A-Chain are separated by two spots in the rankings. So if you're telling me that I can move from A-Chain to Jonathan Taylor, that's a very intriguing deal because Taylor just is the elite profile back that I once upon missed on. Uh, you know. But again, this is not to throw shade at, at Devon A-Chain. It's just we play a probability game. If we're wrong, we're going to be wrong on an outlier. If we're right, then we just leaned into 99% of history before it. It's like you're taking the 1%, we're taking the 99. And I hope the 1% works out because he's exciting as fuck. But Jonathan Taylor is a rare player, not 25 years old left, not putting any shit on his body right now. 
going to come right back into this offense. Maybe he's somewhere else. Would be amazing if he went to Miami, by the way. Would be absolutely amazing outcome, turn of events, if that was to take place. But nonetheless, that's kind of where my head goes, right? Like, that's the instant, can I get Taylor? And I agree. And then Taylor got a crazy workload. He was, a you know... He's not the speed of of a chain, but four three two four three nine, but at two hundred twenty six pounds, so he's got the he's got Come the on. weight to sustain the hits, and he's still getting hurt, right? Yes. All these guys that they they eventually get hurt. The question is, is how how less likely they are going to get hurt, and that's that's the concern. And and the teams know this, right? All these NFL teams know this. This is number one why they don't want to pay them any contracts, right? And then number two, this is why we're so frustrated when we see, you know, our favorite running back is in a 50% uh, snap share with, you know, some other guy that we think is, it should just be, you know, in street clothes on the, on, watching the game. It's, right. it's, it's one of those things where the teams know this too. So like not every, this is a 70 point game. Like they, they scored 70 points. How many times did you get 70 points? They were just, yeah. I, I just, I find it hard to believe that they give them this much work. I don't, and I don't think they do. And, and, and I would stand, I'll stand corrected. If, if that's what they do, it's just, he's a fantastic player. And this was a fantastic game. Um, but I just don't think he's going to see this usage on a consistent basis. And that's not to say that he's not good. He doesn't have fantasy appeal. It's just in terms of, you know, the RB 11, man, I don't know. I, 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 that's hard. I, I, there's so many guys like, there's DeAndre Swift, who's you know going against going behind the best offensive line, getting the usage now, right? The question would be is like, okay, you see De, you see DeAndre Swift running behind that offensive line, and you've got Devon A. Chain in a vacuum. Who would you rather have? I mean, Swift in a vacuum, but and I and I get it, I get it. Swift is getting mm-hmm. the volume. I again, we could, and and this is by the way, we cannot not acknowledge that Raheem Mostert also had three touchdowns in this game and also had. A yeah. huge performance. So there's the the performance was outlier. The offensive workload and production was outlier. It was confirmation bias. I mean, this is are we in a simulation? Because this is what this to me would be affirmation of a simulation. Devon A. Chain goes to the fucking Miami Dolphins where everybody hoped he would go. And the first time that they let him loose, he goes absolutely crazy. Like Come on, are we not? Is this not it? We've we've arrived. So, I think I think all points are fair. I think he's an exciting player. I I hope that he is uh, the player that everybody wants him to be. Um, I just know that history can be a very difficult factor to work around when you're this size. Again, uh, if you're uh, the weight gain apologist, I apologize to you. I didn't know he was 198 pounds now, and I just think that if the opportunity shows itself, reveals itself, I think Jonathan Taylor, because he hasn't played. Uh, is in a great position as, as a buy window for him. That's that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave it there. You guys can send your hate mail to the YouTube comments, or if you're listening on Spotify, um, there's a question uh, that you could fill out. You, somewhere, if you look around, you can see you could fill out the question. Tell us how we're doing. Rate us on the Devon A-Chain section. We'd love to get your opinions. Of course, if you guys are watching on YouTube right now, hit the like button. If you're listening on Spotify, Apple, give us a rating review. really helps the show out. Okay. Now, I, I teased two wide receivers at the top of the show. Yeah. Um, one of them, it's not so much doomsday on 
The other sure. one, um, I think that there's more concern to be revealed. But let's start with the one that there's probably less concern about, even though that mm -hmm. there's still concern for a lot of people, and that's Drake London. Um, yeah. On the year, London has not looked like the player that everybody sort of fell in love with last year after putting up a borderline 900-yard season. And then, of course, what people often cite, which we've sort of pointed this out in the past, that he had a target share of, I think it was 29.32.4%, uh, number two in the league, which equated to about 6.8 targets per game, which doesn't normally get it done. But with that being said, here we are in 2023, um, and things are not looking so great. Where Where should people be on Drake London? I think it's not full panic mode because I think he he's given us a year where he's had that 32% per, uh, target share. He's given us the production. Um, I just think it's in it, like Marcus Mariota really wasn't great. And I know Ritter played sometime with, with, uh, with London near the end of the season. I just think uh, Ritter is just a downgrade from Marcus Mariota. They're, they're not even, they're not leaning into the passing game. Ritter has only attempted 88 passes, which is like near the very, very bottom of all of the entire league. Um, he's just, it's like it, all the stats of just like, uh, what was it? Um, it's like sixth Desmond Ritter is sixth in, uh, this average. Sorry. Let me find that stat. It's such a weird name. It's next gen stat and it is average air yards to sticks. So it's whether or not, a quarterback is likely to throw uh, a beyond or below the, uh, uh, the the first down marker. And so Desmond Ritter is near the bottom of that list, right? And so what he's doing is it's obviously they're just leaning into the passing game. They're, they're just putting these guys out in the space. That's not Drake London's game. It's it's yard separation and, and getting – he's an elite possession receiver. Um, and – they're, really, it's evident that they're just giving the ball to you know Bijan in open space in the backfield, and also because it's pretty evident that you know Desmond Ritter is a is a subpar passer downfield, and so that's where London wins in that intermediate downfield role, contested catch kind of guy. It's one of those things where I, I just don't think the offense is utilizing Drake London's skill set. It's kind of limiting his skill set and he's an elite talent. It's like also, you know, to even go further, it's like Kyle Pitts type of stuff. Like they have these elite weapons that you utilize downfield and they're not utilizing it because they're only throwing after three weeks, 88 passes. And it's like near the very, very bottom. Right. And so it, it's, it's unfortunate. I, I hope that, you know, they potentially get a new quarterback or or something like that. But the problem is, is he's kind of tied to this. But the benefit, Drake London is 22 years old. So it, he, he's still got a lot, lot of games to play, um, whether it's in Atlanta or not. But I, I think um, eventually they they should they will they'll move off of Desmond Ritter because it's just it's just not a system that that fits his skill set. And um, uh, I'm not worried about him. I'm worried about using him. I wouldn't be worried about, you know, acquiring him, but that's just the, you know, ambiguity on whenever, whenever they get a new quarterback. So dude, it's bad. The Atlanta Falcons have 30 wide receiver targets, 30 
25.3% wide receiver target rate, lowest in the league, nearly 15% lower than the Chicago Bears. That wow. is Woof. an indictment in a and a half uh, when when looking at this situation. The other thing I wanted to bring up, we were looking at this total routes run by Drake London currently 95 on the year. Um, so again, this is a team that's been. I mean, you tell me. I mean, this offense is is just running in mud right now. They're they're purely a run first offense, like you mentioned. Ritter's not getting it done. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention about his profile, which is really interesting, where my concern comes into play, and I'm going to alleviate some of the concern for you guys, but I'm going to start with what's most concerning. Currently, his target share is uh, 16.5, which is down about 12.7% from last year. Um, and 9.3 in 2022. You look at him, he's the what the wide receiver... 45 in total routes run at 95. He's the wide receiver 56 in total targets. And he hasn't even cracked a hundred yards in three games played so far this year. In addition to that, PFF actually has him graded as the wide receiver 70. So as much as we want to throw shade at the quarterback play, even PFF is telling you this guy really hasn't done much on his own. But again, a lot of people liked him last year for his fraudulent target share uh, of 29.3%, which was 6.9 targets per game, which was essentially wide receiver 40 range last year. That was Jacoby Myers. That's Jalen Waddell. And he was never good after the catch. Never good yep. after the catch. Yards after the catch per reception hasn't very hasn't dropped really at all. Uh, last year, he was the wide receiver 125 in the league at 3.2. This year, is the wide receiver 68, uh, but his number actually dropped to 2.9 which was the wide receiver 142 last year. I do want to say this, though. Other wide receivers that were in that range in yards after the catch that had over 1,000 yards, DK Metcalf, Mike Evans, Chris Olave. So not a total indictment on him not being Mm -hmm. a guy after the catch because it's not everything. Um, Obviously, that's what we want out of our receivers, but it's not the biggest part. But what you hate to see, what you absolutely hate to see, and this is the dagger uh, to the current profile is that even when this team has been trailing, they have a 50 50 pass to run ratio and are only averaging 29.3 pass attempts per game. So even when they're losing, they're not electing to pass the ball at a rate similar to Jacksonville. Who's 15 to 17% higher than this number. Yeah. And it's just the average air yards to six kind of confirms that, that even if they are passing, they're passing it to the running backs. Cause I mean, again, again they're not, they're not giving Bijan a full workload, right? So they're using Algier, right? And in, and and so they're they're using these other backs, and so they're going to use Bijan in the backfield significantly, and it's going to eat into this Drake London target share. And again, like you referenced, yards after catch was never in his profile. He didn't even elect to to you know going coming into the draft. He didn't even elect to test athletically because he thought it would hurt his draft stock. Still went eighth overall. Um, I think the talent's there, evident by the last year. Uh, he's got great size. Uh, but, yeah, I, I just don't think that right now, I don't think the team is going to use him effectively. Uh, it, it's he's Again, he's one of these elite talents that's just kind of being wasted away um, by change of scheme. They get Bijan, they they go even further into the run-heavy scheme, and Bijan is their you know go-to wide receiver. 
Bijan is everything. And I just had that pulled up on the screen here. They are currently number two in the league behind the Bears, not so surprisingly, and running back target rate of 27.1%. Drake London over the last two games. You know, the first week, very. this is like the Devonta Smith 2022 week, right? Everybody was like, oh, damn, he's not being targeted. Uh, then we get into week two, uh, seven targets. Week three, six targets. He had a red zone target or two in week two and then scored a touchdown, which helped his score. I don't know how often this team's going to necessarily be in the red zone this year. Probably going to be matchup dependent, but I'm not totally out on Drake London. You shouldn't be either. He's the wide receiver 21 mm. currently on keep trade cut. But again, so many question marks. We haven't even bar- we haven't even seen Christian Watson. And I was talking about earlier in the year how much he could ascend. I mean, he could bl- he could blow right by Drake London at this point. If he comes out with one big game. Yeah. And, and it's always the juxtaposition too. the Oh man, well, if Christian Watson's doing it, why isn't Drake London doing it? Not really taking into context the offense. I just don't know how long it takes before this offense gets better. So again, if you're betting on talent, Drake London is awesome. If you're waiting for a quarterback, it could be forever. I don't know. Also, by the way, Puka Nakua, wide receiver 19, just jumping everybody at this rate. So we'll, <laughs> we'll have to do this one another time. Um the next guy I wanted to get to, uh, somebody that I think has has more or less underwhelmed for two seasons now, um, a guy that I know a lot of people were high on coming out of college. Uh, he was a guy that was more exclusively all the way downfield or behind the line of scrimmage, didn't really have the intermediate game in his profile coming out of college, but was also pretty dominant at times there as well. Uh, Traylon Burke, so college dominator, 93rd percentile college target share, 93rd percentile breakout age, 50th. But this is a guy that has the speed score, not the necessarily the burstiest guy in the league, but requisite size. And a lot of people told us, hey, this is going to be the guy so much so that I think Tennessee thought, yeah, we'll, we'll get rid of A.J. Brown because we got the next A.J. Brown right here. And it seems evident at this point that they probably do not but we can't write him off completely just yet. No, you can't write him off. He, he's he's still only 23, going to be 24 this year. Uh, yeah, and they thought, they saw the 6'2", 224, and they said, well, that's what A.J. Brown looks like, right? So, but absolutely not the same player. A.J. Brown was a crazy great route runner using the slot, and then can be used outside. Burks is, Burks is sort of, you know, yards after catch, put him in space. Or throw him deep. Uh, yeah, like you referenced, his intermediate route game is really kind of was pretty raw coming in, and uh, so far, and it could be a product of this offense. We're talking about two of the you know very run heavy teams in the NFL, uh, but the targets are not there. The you know the acquisition of of DeAndre Hopkins, which shows you in his target share, uh, is 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 not great. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's one of those situations where, you know, he's middle of the pack and yards after catch above expectation, but how many times is he going to get that if they're running heavy through Derrick Henry? Uh, he's below average in, in average yards, uh, average yard separation. Um, he's got a 46% catch rate. He's six for uh, six for 13 targets on the season. Um, he, the one thing, the one positive I would say is his yards per target are sixth. So he's getting he's he's getting yards, he's getting targeted downfield. Uh, but I think the worry with him is 
you know, what, what are they going to do with him? Especially with, with Hopkins there, it kind of muddles it. I think really it's just a potential quarterback change that could only uplift this because Ryan Tannehill is just so, so bad. Tannehill's terrible. I mean, Tannehill it's is... I don't, I don't know why he's even... I don't even know why they have not moved on well, from anyone else. Well, it's got to... It's. I mean, okay. So you spend the entire offseason. He's running with the ones. He's your guy. You invest everything into him. He's been the quarterback in this offense forever. This is a team that believes that they can be competitive and win. They're one and two right now. I don't know how many more games they have to lose before they start to go, okay, Tannehill's not the future. What do we do here? Again, I think Frable's one of these guys that believes that they can win at all costs at, at any given moment. Traylon Burks, though, is really a product of if the roles were flipped and he was the guy getting all the target share in this offense, there may be more to glean from this. But when you've got a crusty DeAndre Hopkins playing ahead of you, they go out of their way to add him this offseason. You're playing, you're getting less than half the targets that he's getting at 31, 32 years old. Um, I, I realize that you're looking at like his EPA right now is is 41 overall. His QB rating when target is top 34. And these are on again, this is on limited targets, guys. You have to you mm-hmm. have to remember that. If this goes up to 80, that number probably moves to 68. Right? Like it doesn't, the lower the volume, the greater some of these peripheral metrics often look. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the yards per reception, the, the big play, we know, we know he's a big play guy. Like that's where a lot of this comes in. So when you look at EPA, when he has a big performance and he increases his offense's probability of scoring points, he increases to the expected points that could be added, then he gets more of an EPA boost. So mm-hmm. yes, I I, yep. I get why his EPA looks the way it does that needs to be taken with a grain of salt on a guy that's, what do we say, had t- 10 targets, 13 targets? 13 targets on the season. Yep. Easy little buckaroos. Let's just, let's like, hee-haw, hokey-doe dance. Let's just fucking slow down for a minute. But, yeah. you, but you do love that he is being targeted downfield. Like, that's yep. what we want. The problem is, though, and I'm going to do this live in this video. If I pull up Ryan, oh, come on, Nate, Ryan Tannehill, and we go in reverse year by year looking at his his deep ball attempts don't be fooled by being top 11 right now we're three games into the season uh he was the qb 27 prior to that qb 24 prior to that qb 26 prior to that qb 27 prior to that qb 30 prior to that i think this is the year 28 prior to that guys ryan tanhill in the simulation right now is like 28 years old and he's still the QB 28 in default pass attempt. So I just don't think it's part of his profile. And that's concerning as well. Um, but this has been a team that their offense was predicated was predicated on yak for a long time, right? That's what yeah. AJ Brown brought to the table. That's what they felt like they needed to add. They bring in the Robert Woods thing. He was supposed to add yak. They replaced him with a guy that was a great yak guy in college by going and getting Traylon Burks. But sometimes the two worlds don't infuse themselves together in the right way. Vrabel is hard-headed. It's run first. Unfortunately, Derrick Henry still exists in this universe, and they're just going to run till the wheels fall off or Ty J. Spears is going to get some workload. It would probably be better for Burks if it was Ty J. Spears and not Derrick Henry, the the stonewall runner that he is, and it would be better for Traylon Burks if it wasn't Ryan Tannehill and it was Will Levis. And we've talked about this on other shows. Like 
This could be, in many ways, the Buffalo offense in the blink of an eye if Will Levis was the guy that a guy like Cody Carpentier believes that he could be. You, you're, you're making big plays downfield. You've got a tough quarterback. You're opening up the deep play. You're opening up the intermediate play. But unfortunately, that's not the reality today. That's not the quarterback that you have. You've got Ryan Tannehill, whose yards per attempt are 6.6. And even though he's fraudulently the QB 11 in deep pass attempts, um, we all know that this is just going to fizzle away sooner rather than later. So I think I would be more concerned, uh, obviously, than Drake London for for pretty obvious reasons. Uh, but if we go look for, let's go look for him right now. Traylon Burks is where is he higher than this? Come on, no Traylon did no way he fell to page two. No, man, did he? No, page hold on. two. Oh, he's the top of page two. Wow. The wide receiver, 42. So, okay, he's currently going for an early 2024 second. That's a palatable price, by the way. Um, Absolutely. Considering we don't know what the situation is next year, you were where are you getting a first-round wide receiver that really he hasn't failed himself like a Nikhil Harry did or like other guys in the past. He's just not getting the opportunity that he deserves. I realize that we can go back in time. He was in the Vrabel doghouse two years ago. Yeah. You remember this? He he yeah. was in the Vrabel doghouse. So who knows what's going on? I, I love the talent of the player, but you cannot deny the fact that he, he, the opportunity is just not really revealing itself. He's had just enough performances to kind of keep you satiated and on the hook. But I can tell you because he's been an active player, he's not getting the Rashad Bateman oh, we won't give up on you game where Rashad just was like in perpetuity, the wide receiver 20 and didn't move no matter what happened. Like yeah. it didn't matter if Lamar was gone. It didn't matter if Rashad was hurt. Nobody was moving him. And um, I think in, in Burke's case, it's just, he wasn't really, you know, he didn't have any of these boom games. Like, I mean, yeah. Bateman had at least one game where he played pretty well. And, and so it's one of those situations where it's like, he hasn't done really anything and it's, it's unfortunate. The question I have for you is what week do they, do they just blow this whole thing up? Cause he's right now through three games, he's tied with Justin Fields in passer rating, Ryan Tannehill. So That's when do good. they blow this up? That's pretty good. <laughs> let's, uh, let's pull up the schedule right here. Let's take a look. Let's pull up the schedule on the screen. Zoom this baby in. All right. So we've got, uh, so they played the saints, played the chargers, won in overtime, lost to the Browns. Uh, got the Bengals next. I mean, I mean, you're gonna go to the Wolves with Pittsburgh. I was about to say, I think, I think maybe after Week Nine we start to see a yeah. new quarterback. Yeah, because they'll they'll blow him through the water. I think here. it's possible. Like, I think that that that's the reality of the situation. That like, and they've got to have because Vrabel's gonna fight to the death. So you, oh, you've yeah. got to have a, a losing record. So by Week Nine, if they're three and six. I mean, okay, the Bengals haven't been healthy, but they could certainly lose to the Bengals. Yes. Colts, Colts just pulled Colts one just off. Beat, yeah, they beat them with Gardner Minshew. So, <laughs> so Colts are gonna be could be tough. Ravens are gonna show are gonna be tough. You don't know what you're gonna get from Atlanta. If Atlanta just beats you to death with the run, that could be tough. The Steelers D could make you know this game could be tough. The Buccaneers, I don't know, like they're kind of a wild card. So. Yeah. It's it's entirely possible that two more wins in there, three more. I mean, so could they Maybe. show up in week nine at four and five? 
Yeah. I mean, at that point, do you do it? I, you I, know, think, I, I think, no, I think they still have them if they're at four and five. I think, think if they, if, if they, if they can't win more than one or two games between that stretch between now and, and Pittsburgh, I think so there's two, a conversation to start to have two and seven, three and six quarterback change. Yeah. Tampa Bay week 10. Yeah, you gotta see. You gotta see. Yeah, you gotta see. You gotta see what you have. You you spent a third round pick. Whether it's, oh, I mean, you you see, we've seen some Malik Willis. Man, this guy, the, you know, our boy Carter Carpentier loves this guy. I want to see him. I want to see do. him play. He didn't get to play too much preseason. He's got arm talent. I mean, there's concerns with his profile, obviously. But man, I, I don't know. I saw Malik Willis on Sunday night complete seven passes an overtime game or whatever the number was. So yeah, I would like good. to see Will Levis kind of see if he can maybe open up this offense. Cause I mean, you know, we've referenced the athleticism and he was used as a yards after catch guy. What if the Tannehill has just kind of hit the point of no return here uh, with the age and it's just not there anymore and, and they need to move on. And you got a young kid who's top of the second round was projected a top five pick top 10 pick at that point. Uh, fell because of you know other concerns, but I mean, the he's got size, he's got the arm talent. I just want to see what 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 Levis can do because I've seen enough of Ren Tannehill, and there's just too many other good weapons on this offense. Yeah, it's this this team needs to. I mean, and if it's not this year, it certainly feels like certainly e even if year. they even if this impotent offense can just like drag right. itself somewhere near the finish line, this flaccid offense just barely gets itself there. Like, you know, next year, Derrick Henry looks like the ghost of his previous self. Not, not the same like tackle breaker. Tannehill's arm needs erectile dysfunction medication. <laughs> and they just need to do some, right? Something yeah. about what's happening out there. So anyways, yeah. well, I think anytime you can go out on dick pill conversation you gotta do it man <laughs> oh, so yeah. all right everybody who's still listening dynastyrankings.com go over there sign up drop your email uh when the newsletters start rolling out you guys will get those you'll get updates about what's going on at the website um again things are still in progress it's happening it's not really much more that i could say other than that uh if you guys enjoy the podcast rate review of course, answer the question. I'm going to put a Devon A. Chain question in there. Look for that question. Tell us if we were right or wrong on him. Is he the next Chris Johnson? Is he Chris Johnson on steroids? I don't even know what that is. He probably would have to take performance-enhancing drugs, though, to survive the NFL. Uh, if you're listening or watching on YouTube, make sure to hit the like button. Uh, throw us a subscribe, and, of course, comment below. I know you guys will. Uh, if you're one of the people that's chipped at me in the Kenneth Walker video, uh, <laughs> Continue to do so. I appreciate it. Just give me a couple more weeks because the snap share is trending in the direction of Charbonnet getting more opportunity. So at least let's see where that plays out before uh, we take the L on that. But again, guys, really appreciate you checking out the show, listening, uh, spending your time, uh, digesting the content that we're putting out there. We hope that you enjoy it. And we will see you guys next week with God knows what because we don't know what's going to happen in week four, but plenty more Dynasty subject matter for you coming ahead.